Hey friends, welcome to the Soul Care Podcast, episode number six. This is your host, Dave Cummings. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a little bit of time with me today. I want to tell you a story from a time when I was young and reckless, and when uh, some of those activities really activated my fight or flight system. You've all heard of the fight or flight system. And it turns out that the fight or flight system, which is really designed to protect us in the face of some sort of uh, life-threatening danger, it turns out that that same system is activated when we face other kinds of stresses, stresses that really don't threaten our lives necessarily, but they threaten us psychologically in other ways. Stresses at work and at home and at church, stresses in your marriage and with your kids, and if you're a college student, stresses with your classes and your grades, financial stresses, it turns out all those same kinds of stresses activate the very same fight or flight system. So the story begins uh, back in the 19, late 1980s when I was in my late teens and uh, all my friends were off in college. I was out of high school and hadn't started uh, taking any college classes yet at that point. And it was in uh, uh, late September, early October, somewhere around that time frame. And back in those days, I only owned a motorcycle. And so uh, all my friends were back in school and I decided before the snow started flying in the mountains, I was gonna hop on my motorcycle and ride up to Sequoia National Park. Beautiful place if you've never had a chance to visit Sequoia National Park in the Sierra Nevada range in California. You really need to take the time to, to visit, even if you only have a day or two to see it. It's an absolutely astonishing place, very much like Yosemite in a lot of ways, uh, and yet really kind of undiscovered. You don't have the traffic and all the crowds, really wonderful. Anyway, I hopped on my motorcycle and I rode several hours up into the mountains. And by the time I got up there, I was exhausted from riding my bike and uh, found a campground that had some sites available and hopped off my motorcycle. Now at that point, because I was in a motorcycle, I didn't have room for things like a sleeping bag, hey, go figure, right? Or even a tent for that matter. It was still relatively warm and I thought it was gonna be just fine. So I set up my camp, um, had some, some dinner, got a fire going and cooked up some pork and beans and threw the can in the fire to kind of burn it off, burn off the, the goo inside the can. And then I set up a bed and the bed really was just uh, some soft branches and oak leaves and things that I could find around. And I had a blanket and I was just going to sleep under the stars like that. There was a, a bear box, if you know what those are. If you ever camp uh, in bear country, bear boxes are large metal boxes with a latch that frustrate the bears. So they can't get to things like your food and what have you. And so I was just snooping around my campsite, opened up the bear box, and there was one of these pool floaties, you know, the kind that you have on a hot July day laying around in the swimming pool with a, a can of Pepsi in your hand. And it was fully inflated, no less. I imagine somebody that had just used that campsite was using it as a sleeping pad. And I thought, wow, that's going to be better than sleeping on uh, on branches and, and oak leaves, right? So I was really excited about that. I grabbed that, laid it out, and uh, had just a blanket that I bought down in Mexico earlier in the year and uh, laid down for the night to, to get some sleep. Stars were starting to come out. It was starting to get dark. I could uh, I could see the moon up into my left maybe around uh, 9 or 10 o'clock, something like that. I don't mean 9 or 10 o'clock at night, but to my 9 or 10 o'clock, you know what I mean? It might have been 9 or 10 o'clock at night, I don't remember. It was getting dark at that point. And uh, I fell asleep, arms crossed. Uh, you know, you can't really roll around much when you're sleeping on a pool floaty on the ground. Uh, arms crossed and blanket pulled up and I fell asleep. And then a little bit later in the night, I woke up, something had 
had stirred around me that caused me to stir. And I remember looking up and the stars were even brighter and there were so many. It was really wonderful. My heart was just really filled with gratitude at that moment. I remember that distinctly. And the moon was now pretty much straight above me. So I'm, I'm guessing a couple hours had passed at that point. And I raised just my head to have a look around the campsite. And all I see is a big brown furry rear end. And it's walking away from me. And it was a bear. Now in California, we have black bears, not grizzly bears. So I'm not thinking, okay, this thing's going to eat me. It's going to see me as a meal. But uh, black bears can be pretty unpredictable. They can be pretty dangerous, especially if there are cubs around. I didn't see any cubs. This was a full-grown adult. And its rear end was walking directly away from me, which means, and I did this math in my head really quickly, that it either stepped over my body or it walked directly up to me and then took a hard right turn away from me towards my camp site and towards the the fire in particular and so I just held my breath I was absolutely terrified and my heart was pounding and my hands were sweating my mouth went instantly dry my eyes were wide open and I was completely alert completely awake whatever sort of sleepy fog I might have had was absolutely gone at that point maybe you've had some kind of a a life-threatening startling event like that before where just all of your faculties are called to attention on this one thing. I couldn't have thought of anything else if I tried because all my attention was completely focused on what my brain perceived as a threat and probably legitimately so, right? I'm laying down and here's a full-grown, you know, multi-hundred pound animal that could kill me in a heartbeat if it wanted to and it's poking around my campsite uh, just a few feet away. So I tried to lay as still as I could, and uh, of course it went over to the fire. It went over to my motorcycle first. I don't know why. I was actually nudging it around. I thought, hey, it's going to knock my bike over. That's bad. But then it goes to the fire and starts rummaging around, and it pulls out that darn can of pork and beans that I thought I'd burned out, but apparently there was still some, some odor there, right? Note to self, don't do that again. Uh, I should have gotten rid of that much further away from my campsite than I did. Um, but here it was, trying to lick out all that sticky goo inside that apparently I didn't burn off. Maybe a minute or two passed, and it hadn't really paid any attention to me. And then all of a sudden, all at once, I don't know if I moved or breathed or had a loud thought. I don't know what was going on here. But all of a sudden, I was on its radar. It turned its head straight towards me, made eye contact with me. And then I think more out of curiosity than anything, just started kind of trotting towards me. It wasn't a charge. It didn't seem angry. It wasn't snorting or growling or roaring like they do in the movies. It was just trotting a little faster than he'd been moseying earlier straight towards me. And I thought, oh boy, this is it. Now is the time. Do or die. I got to do something. I thought my fight or flight system was already pretty activated. But apparently there's an even higher level of activation because I just went through the roof. I mean, you could feel the adrenaline surging through every cell in your body when something like that happens. And I only had uh, maybe 20 feet to figure this out. And so what, a second or two as this bear is trotting towards me? And I knew enough from, from being outdoors a lot in the mountains here in California to know that you've got to try to look big and intimidating and scare the bear away. You can't just play dead, at least not at that moment, and uh, and fighting back is probably not going to get you anywhere either. So in one quick motion, I jumped into the air, and I threw that blanket up into the air, and I just started yelling, ah, go get out of here, ah, and that bear put on the brakes and turned and ran towards the edge of this 
campground area. And I remember he even turned around and looked at me, kind of lifted a paw almost like he was waving back at me or I don't know, my imagination was telling me, he's saying, I'll be back for you, buddy. And then he turned and he ran off and disappeared uh, into the forest there. And I'm left standing there with my hands over my head. <clears throat> the most intense fear I've ever experienced because I wasn't sure what this thing was going to do when it came over to me. I couldn't just lay there and find out. And, uh, and so here I was standing there, heart pounding, breathing really fast, really shallow, mouth dry, hands shaking, whole body at this point shaking all over. And I think I must have stood there with my arms over my head for a couple minutes. And I finally slowly let them down. Heart rates finally started slowing down and uh, uh, the shaking started slowing down. I was still very much on high alert. And, uh, you know, every little crack of a twig around me, I was looking to see if that was that bear coming back. I felt like at that point, I just wanted to talk to somebody. I needed to see a human being to make sure I wasn't crazy. And the only other campers in the whole campground was an RV way at the opposite end. And so I worked my way over there. I have no clue how late it was, but I had to talk to somebody. So I knock on the door. An older guy comes to the door wearing jeans and a flannel shirt, kind of looking confused because it must have been late. And I told him the story and he basically said, well, yeah, there's bears around here. Good night. And he closes the door on me and I realize, okay, I'm on my own here. I've got to figure this out. Do I get on my bike and leave? Do I just try to go back to sleep? Do I stay up all night? What do I do? Uh, well, I, I can tell you that that I didn't get much sleep that night, probably none, and uh, I was just still on such high alert. So when I look back on that whole episode, I realize that my fight or flight system, which is a really complex system that includes the brains and a bunch of what we call peripheral nerves and a whole variety of neurochemicals that start in the brain as the brain interprets the threat level and they spread literally to not just all the nerves but also all the muscles and many of the, the major organs to control this whole response that I described to you that you've experienced before. And you got to realize that the, the purpose of this whole fight or flight response is to keep you alive in the face of, of a life-threatening something, like a bear, um, for a few minutes, right? Something just this burst of energy and focus. So uh, why do you shake? Well, because you've got way more energy being being uh, funneled to your muscles at that point than you actually need, um, unless you're going to fight or run away. Uh, why are you breathing rapid and shallow? Because your, your lungs are trying to get oxygen to your muscles as quickly as possible, right? So sugars, that's why the bloodstream and the heart is pounding so hard, need to get to those cells, particularly in the major muscle groups, and oxygen. Without those two, you don't get any energy. And so you're breathing really fast and shallow, trying to get oxygen there. Your heart is pounding, trying to get blood uh, circulated rapidly and uh, glucose distributed to all those muscles as quickly as possible. Your digestive tract gets shut down for a couple of reasons. One is because I guess digestion is not the most important thing right then and there at the moment, um, <clears throat> but also because it takes a lot of energy and a lot of your blood flow to the gut to be able to digest. So all that gets directed away from the gut and the digestive system towards those major muscle groups, again, just for a short period, hopefully, so that those muscles can be ready to duke it out or to run or climb a tree or whatever you gotta do to survive. And so when that that when your uh, your digestive tract starts to shut down temporarily, 
Uh, you can have an upset stomach, especially if you've been eating recently. It can give you nausea. can even cause you to vomit. We've all had the, the butterflies in our stomach from something that makes us nervous, like standing up in front of a, an audience and speaking, right? And you get those butterflies. That's, that's your fight or flight system just barely being activated and beginning to shut down your digestive tract and you're feeling it in the form of butterflies in your stomach. Uh, food that has already passed beyond the stomach, you know, you may start getting stomach cramps or gas or even diarrhea as your body tries to get rid of this stuff so that you can run fast, you can climb a tree fast. It sounds strange, but ultimately in survival mode, you don't want anything in that digestive tract. And all part of that, part of all of that, that system includes drying up the saliva in your mouth. So you end up with a, a real dry cotton mouth kind of experience as well. And all that is tied into this brief moment of trying to survive. And when you're facing a bear, you're lying in the dirt in the forest at midnight probably, and a bear is trotting towards you, that's exactly what needs to happen to keep you alive. My fight or flight system very likely saved my life that night. And I'm grateful for it. But here's the kicker, and I mentioned this to you earlier in the podcast. It turns out that we have one major stress response, and it's the fight-or-flight system. And so if a significant stress that is really psychological in nature, things like financial stress, the car breaks down and the mechanic tells you it's going to cost at least a grand to get this thing on the road, that is going to trigger your fight-or-flight response. Maybe not to the same extent right? As, as when a bear is trotting towards you in the forest. But it is going to begin to trigger that fight or flight response. Now, if the mechanic tells you it's going to cost $1,000 to get your car on the road, and then your boss tells you, hey, we're cutting back your hours. And then later that same day, you get a call from your kid's principal saying that he was in a fight again. And you get home and uh, your wife is angry with you about something. Uh, all these things begin piling up on top of one another until pretty soon you have enough smaller stressors to amount to a major stressor, almost like a bear on the loose in your life, triggering that fight or flight response. And so we have these physical effects of stress in our lives because stress triggers this survival mode that we go into. And it doesn't seem to help with these psychological responses, right? Killing your digestive tract because of a financial worry probably isn't all that of an adaptive response. It probably doesn't really help us, but it's all one big response that is all about survival. So I want you to remember that the next time you're feeling butterflies or the next time you're having what might be physical effects from stress, anxiety, depression, worry, concerns, feeling overwhelmed, over busy, over committed, in over your head, all these things that we experience. If you start feeling physical effects from these things, stop and ask yourself, does this fit the story of the fight or flight response? Does it make sense in light of the fight or flight? And I bet you're going to find that it actually does. And having that understanding gives you a little power because it tells you, oh, wait, I'm not crazy. Or, okay, I'm not dying, right? Uh, I've had ER doctors tell me, I, I train a lot of pre-med students and then they go on to medical school and become doctors. And I've had ER doctors tell me that the majority of cases of people coming in that believe they're having a heart attack are actually having an anxiety attack because it can, it can cause chest pains, but it can certainly cause pounding in the chest for no apparent reason. Uh, and... 
uh, and it can lead you to believe that you're going to die. And they assure me that we're not going to die, despite how hard our, our heart is pounding. So uh, don't let the stress induce more stress. You know what I mean? Don't, don't let the anxiety cause more anxiety and begin feeding off itself. We need to break that cycle. And understanding the biology that I'm trying to describe to you now is one of the first key steps to breaking that cycle. Because when you have a panic attack, for example, you're in full fight or flight mode and you may not know why. Or maybe you do know why, but you see this, this what should be a minor trigger and all of a sudden you're in survival mode. What's going on? Well, uh, you and your therapist should be able to figure out what's going on. But something in you is triggering that full-blown fight or flight survival mode. And when you understand that and you realize, okay, I'm not going to die from this. I'm not crazy. I'm not broken beyond repair. Then you can uh, you can face that panic. You can can calm down through that panic. Get the help that you need without letting the panic induce more panic. We don't want anxiety to feed on itself, and yet that's uh, often what happens. And that's certainly uh, what I have experienced in my own life in, in some of my deepest anxious moments. So what I really want to tell you today is that your fight or flight system is real. It's uh, part of God's design to keep you alive and well in the face of very real physical threats. Um, but it is also easily triggered by uh, more modern threats, not necessarily just bears on the loose, but uh, metaphorical bears on the loose in your life, your finances, your house, your busyness, the traffic, the noisy neighbors, um, a wayward child, a difficult marriage, your own personal health concerns, any of those things can actually trigger it. And these different stressors are additive. That's important. One stressor may not be enough to tip you over, but if it's stressor on top of stressor on top of stressor, they can add up to one great big bear in your life that triggers a massive response. And that massive response was never intended to be ongoing. And yet our financial worries and problems tend to last more than just a couple minutes, right? I faced that bear for a couple minutes and I calmed back down and everything was, was the way it was supposed to be. But when you face those bears again and again and again, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, year in and year out, your body is going to break down. It's, you were never intended to be able to tolerate that, that whole um flood of neurological response and neurochemical response for so long. You're really only designed to be able to, to deal with that for a matter of minutes to hours at the most. And so we begin to have longer term chronic problems as well. Uh, and those chronic problems, again, are something that you and your, your physician or your therapist should be working through if you're having chronic health problems that you can't pin down to anything else. It very well may be that your fight or flight response has been activated for far too long. And there are ways that include medicine sometimes, they include talk therapy, they include lifestyle changes like exercise and a variety of things, but I want you to know that it's very much within your reach to turn this thing around. You do not have to live with a bear on the loose in your life. Every time you come around another corner worried that there's another bear there ready to just pounce or to chase you or to cause trouble. Imagine if I'd been camping in the, in the Sierras that night and that bear came back. And then he came back again, and he came back again, right? What that would have done to my nerves. Imagine if he came back with multiple bears, like a gang of his buddies ready to just 
whip up on me because I was so mean as to yell at him, right? Imagine if all those worst fears of mine that night had come true, what that would have done to my nerves. And then imagine if that's where I lived and how I lived. And every night I had to face those bears, uh, ultimately I would break. That's what happened to me many years ago. Uh, ultimately I broke. I had bears on the loose in my own life and I was not dealing with them well. I wasn't processing them. I wasn't keeping them out of my campsite. And if they did show up, I wasn't chasing them off properly either. And so I really want to encourage you to begin to recognize and have that self-awareness to see when there's bears in your life that are triggering your fight or flight response and beginning to uh, cause physical and emotional damage in your life. I want you to get help. And that's my encouragement to you today. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining me for this this short podcast. I hope that story uh, gave you a, a metaphor to work with and help you to understand what's going on in your own heart and mind and in your own body because the stress response is very real and most of us do respond with a very physical reaction the way that, uh, that I described to you. You're not alone in this. There's lots of help to be found. I hope you'll find courage in this. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. So I really hope you'll join me again share the podcast with as many people as you can let's get the word out that there's encouragement to be found. God bless you.